0: Hi, everybody. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom, the co-host with Roxanne Gay of Here to Slay from Luminary. We have an excerpt from this week's show we'd like to share with you.
1: We recently spoke with journalist Isabel Wilkerson about America's racial caste system. Her latest book focuses on the American hierarchy and looks well beyond the confines of race, class or gender. If you want to hear more of this fascinating conversation, you can listen to the whole thing by going to luminary.link slay.
0: First of all, I'm just fascinated. in how did you sell white people on this book? Because <laughs> <laughs> that to me, it just it just seemed like it would go against the very <laughs> impulse of the kinds of books people want to hear about this nation.
2: Well, uh, I think that part of it had to do with what we've been through in the last few years. I mean, you know, this is a. I right. mean, one of the the main audiences for this book were the people who, you know, we've all heard the people say, you know, this is not my country. I don't recognize my country. This is not what America stands for. Well, actually it has been the country for far longer than it has not been the country. And it Mm -hmm. was for them. I think that there was more of an awareness, I'd say more of an openness to looking at almost anything that could help explain Mm -hmm. what otherwise did not make sense for so many people.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So I thought a lot about the different examples that you use to build this argument about caste and how we can find a lot of the origins of American racism and what happened with the Third Reich, and we can see it in the Indian caste system. But I kept thinking about South Africa yeah, and mm-hmm. apartheid. Mm -hmm. And so part of it, I'm going to qualify by saying, when you write a book like this, everyone is going to give you 20,000 things that you should have or could have included, and you (laughs) cannot be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, when I think about apartheid, it's such a significant example. Why was it not? you think the best fit for your argument?
2: That is a great question. I really appreciate your asking that. Uh, I I did think about it. I mean actually, you know, when I was at the New York Times I actually covered South Africa for a short time. So I'm I'm familiar with oh, I didn't it. Know that. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with it actually on a personal level and I, I had experiences mm-hmm. that I could have actually incorporated it if I'd wanted to. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that as writers, you know, the three of us are writers and this is narrative nonfiction, so the goal is to bring the audience in, mm-hmm. the goal is to make it such that, you know, you it, you invite the reader to want to turn the page, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to overload it. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. But then another part of it is because it's the most recognizable connection mm-hmm. that many people would make. Uh, I wanted to look at two places where race in and of itself was not the metric used to design those caste I systems. See.
0: I see. So okay.
2: that in that way you can see you know other metrics that were used in these other societies so that you can then look and see beneath them and say, actually, those structures led to some of the same behaviors, the same impulse to manage those boundaries and police those boundaries and to enforce it in the same way. The whole, even some of the actual mechanisms were similar. Yes. And so that was one thing. And then one other reason why is because, as it turns out, the United States predated South Africa in the creation mm-hmm. of, its, oh, of its racial yeah. jurisprudence. Yeah. So that means that actually they followed us. Apartheid was uh, made law well after uh, Jim mm-hmm. Crow
0: was is in place in the United States. That's significant yeah. to me. So you've got a temporal problem that doesn't, I yeah. don't think, exists in our popular imagination of when, right. you know, history is also always just really weird to Americans. I don't think yeah. we tend to... Understand the sequence of events that make history. Yeah, exactly. um, we really struggle with that. And I, uh, and I got to admit, I mean, I knew that because I know like some of the years, but I got to admit that when I don't think I've ever put them in my mind on a comparative timeline. Um, yeah,
1: 1948.
0: And, uh, right. Yeah. Up, yeah, apartheid. Mm-hmm. I know, I think what happens to white readers if they start to grapple with what caste means in the American system of racism, I kept wondering, what does it mean for Black folks to read this argument you think, Isabel? What are you think some takeaways for us, if any, from recentering or sort of shifting our understanding of the historical origins of the American racial hierarchy?
2: I personally have found the concept of caste to explain a lot of what I have been through Personally, moving about this world, um, brushing up against the expectations for someone who looks like me from the group that I'm from, the, the caste to which I was born, and I feel that you know that we live this and we know it in our bones that our society, the country that you know our ancestors or people who look like us built. Still keeps us in a fixed place at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. The videos, you know, the the kind of things that we see happening to Breonna Taylor and to George Floyd. Uh, to Ahmad Aubrey, so many names, you know, it's a metronome of names. We almost mm-hmm. are o- overcome by them. I also have to say, I think about someone, Jonathan Farrell, I, I cannot get yeah. his story Me out of too. my mind. I mean, Me I too. literally cannot. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. just think look, if we could just he say was
0: lost,
2: oh, my God, he had had a massive car accident that yeah. just is, was so tragic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And then he went to get how he managed to climb out of the back yeah. window Of the car. And then he goes to try to get help. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the first house that he comes across. And the woman calls the police. Mm -hmm. The police arrive who are supposed to help him or help any citizen in that situation. Mm -hmm. And what happens? He gets shot and killed to death. Executed. Yeah. And that is solely because what he looks like, the metric of race, metric of phenotype, metric of what we look like has been used by this hierarchy to determine who has which place in our society, whose lives are valued and whose are not, what can happen to an individual. and. I feel as if when I look at that, I realize that we are living with it, whether we give it a name or not. Mm-hmm. We know on our bones that we have been so devalued, so dehumanized. We are ranked at the very bottom of our society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I often say that, you know, when it comes to like class versus caste, if you can act your way out of it, it's class. If you cannot act your way out of it, it's caste. Mm-hmm. It is this mm-hmm. fixed nature that there is nothing that an individual can do to escape these assumptions and stereotypes that literally put your life in danger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It dehumanizes Mm -hmm. so that the natural human response to something that happens to an individual gets turned into something that literally
0: can mean your life. Yeah, yeah. When I teach the concepts of race, class, and caste, you know, as I do as a sociologist, Mm -hmm. and I've, I've taught it several times over the years, the example that always stumps my, chi- my children. I know. They're, I love they're that. Adults. They are. I get it. I know. I get it. They're adults. Blah blah no, blah. I okay. them my
1: babies. My students are my <laughs> Thank babies. Thank you. Of okay.
0: I, it's not infantilizing. It's that to me, no. I'm there to take care of them. Okay. Exactly. So, and I'll say to, this is the thing that stumps them because they're still, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> And they know how to talk about the lower end of the spectrum, right? They're so trained on how to talk about poverty. And yes, disproportionately African-Americans are, poor. you know, they've got it. They've been trained. Where they get hung up is when we talk about the other end of the spectrum. And I'll say to them, how rich do you have to be to no longer be Black? And I ask them to bring me examples, right? Tell me the person who's wealthy enough. Because really, I already know, you know, there are only five, right? We've got five (laughs) five (laughs) black billionaires. (laughs) But
1: even then. And
0: each one they bring back, I have a news story. Mm -hmm. I have a news story. I have them all queued up and ready to go. Oprah can't buy a purse. Robert Johnson being pushed out of the elevator that time. I mean, Michael Jordan being mistaken. The most famous man in the world, right? Yeah. And we go through them one by one by one, and it just destroys them. Yeah. Their whole concept. And I think often about what would have happened if they understood limits in that way. If we talked about the top as much as we talked about... Like the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. What might be different for how we think about race and class and caste? Yeah.
2: Well, I I think that the natural and necessary focus on those who suffer the most as a result of our hierarchy um, is important and needs. Mm-hmm. There's there's not enough that can be spent on trying to understand and help people who are suffering the most in our society, as we can see with COVID. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? Yes. Yeah. But w- the reason why I I think that looking at those who are brushing up against uh, the expectations of people in our society who are assigned as a group to the very bottom is that you can see the limits in the rest- it's almost like that contrast dye that is used when you know cardiologists try to see what's happening mm-hmm. with the arteries and mm-hmm. then you can better see exactly what is happening because you have now factored out all the other things that could right, possibly right, yeah. be at work and now right. all you are left with is that very thing that keeps a person at the bottom no matter what else they might do mm-hmm. or represent, and mm-hmm. and that's why I, I spent a lot of time in the in the book actually talking about what happens when you brush up against, are uh, in contention with the pre-existing roles that we have been assigned from the time of our arrival on this on this soil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been yeah. thinking a lot about colonialism lately. I think because mm-hmm. everyone's been talking about the royal family. And yeah. mm-hmm. I think that one of the main things being left out of the conversation is that, of course, it, the Meghan Markle situation ended up this way. <laughs> I mean, they're colonizers. Yeah, That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you have to wonder, is there a point where there's a remedy for all of this? And one of the proposed remedies that has been discussed for decades. Decades now as reparations. Do you yeah. think reparations is a path to dismantling the caste system? Is there anything that can dismantle the caste system? You know, it's it's
2: one way to explain, for example, what happened in twenty sixteen. It's one way to understand yes. what happened. In, you yeah. know, to twenty the response to two thousand eight. Um, in other words, the, the, the mm-hmm. biggest breach of the caste system occurred in 2008, you might say. And, and yeah, this is, and everybody went absolutely, nuts. Absolutely, and that's what this yeah. is. And yeah. so, and now, of course, we yeah. saw people literally climbing the walls to get into the Capitol to reassert mm-hmm. the birthright that they perceived themselves to have mm-hmm. on January 6th with that insurrection. We saw them literally climbing the walls and breaking police yeah. barricades. And so I, I don't present myself as having all the answers. My goal was to present the X-ray of our country. My goal was, like I said, I'm like Mm -hmm. a building inspector who's coming back and saying, this is what we're Mm -hmm. dealing with. You know, I I actually don't even perceive myself as making an argument. Mm -hmm. I've perceived myself as shining a light on what we otherwise cannot see. And you cannot fix what Mm -hmm. you cannot see. But one of the things that I just think is, is central is us getting on the same page about the basics of what have happened in our country. Like we're not on the same page as a country, oh, yeah. no. about how no. we got to where we are. Basic history. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous to not know. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing has consequences. I mean, not having an idea affects, you know, how you mm-hmm. vote, what policies you support, you know, you know where you send your children, uh, where you choose to live, whether you choose to give this person a mark yeah. mortgage or to hire that person. It has consequences. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. whether we want to acknowledge it or not,
0: these are the facts of our country. You can listen to our full interview with Isabel Wilkerson and many other conversations we've been having on Here to Slay by going to luminary.link slash slay, not luminary.link slash slay.
1: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.